everybody. This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. I'm here with my ever-present co-host who's hunkering down in St. Pete, or actually the Tampa St. Pete area where it's likely that Hurricane Ian, which Ian Gibson is namesake. Uh, Ian, how are you, brother? I'm turning into a Category 3 right now. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny because uh, my other I have a friend that's Ian as well, and... I don't know if he did it or someone that he knows did it, but uh, he posted this meme in this group chat we have, and it's of his face like at the bottom of the spaghetti model, and then the top. <laughs> it's funny because my dad said that he goes, "How do you feel about the storm being named after you? Isn't that a bit morbid?" I'm like, "No, that's awesome." It, you know, I had I think I had one not too long ago because they basically go through every name, like it's yeah. every like English speaking name basically. And, um, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, you're almost hoping that these storms aren't as bad because they could potentially be terrible, like Katrina or Andrew or whatever, you know, like the, you know, the last 30 so years or whatever. But, um, no, I mean, most of them, for the most part, like they usually die off. This one, on the other hand, doesn't seem to be doing that. And it looks like, as of today as of right now it looks like it's gonna like go towards the bay area and then like kind of slow down which that is probably the worst possible thing because then the flooding will be really bad which i mean i already there's someone i know on facebook that was posting how uh bad shore acres was i don't know if you know that area at all but it's always gets flooded and it's already flooding now and this is like two days out which i'm like man that's not gonna be good because if it's already flooded it's gonna get like i would say like up to like five six seven eight feet something like that which would be terrible for all those people's homes because all those people most of those homes in that area are low-lying and they're none of them are up in the air which if i were building a home in that area or even if i had an existing home there i would have that thing jacked up because it's like why deal with having to replace all your uh your all your furniture and all that stuff every couple of years which a lot of them do they just seem to i don't know it's bizarre but uh anyways let's move on let's talk about the week that was um it was a very exciting week Uh, well let me just give a let's do the socials in a brief rundown so uh socials for the for our podcast which we are a college football podcast we primarily talk about um you know major college football teams the important games that have an effect on conference um, and uh, the CFP championships. So any team that really has a chance to be a good team, we will talk about small team, whatever. Ian does a really good job of finding those diamonds in the rough, you know, UTSA, coastal Carolina, he has uh, UAB and Miami of Ohio this year. Is that the two? Those are the two. Yeah. And it was App state, but they broke my heart. Yeah, I know they kind of what they they lost last week, right? They lost, yeah, last Saturday, James Madison, and that well, was that's a the, that's that's the new team because everyone was wanting them to be ranked, but they did still didn't get ranked. Okay, so our socials are you can find us at Hater Radio at Hater underscore Radio on Twitter. Um, you can find us at haterradio.com for all of our articles. We don't have any recent articles right now. I might do something. 
I don't know. I might do something USF related or maybe even USC related because USC seems to be um, gaining traction right now. And UCLA, you know, I don't know. I I still want to see what UCLA does against a better team, but I I liked what I've seen so far out of USC. Um, But uh, regardless, you can find us there. And then Ian, what are your socials? Yes. uh, Instagram is G double underscore Gator double underscore G and uh, YouTube G Gator G. Okay, that's how you find us. And then quickly, how we do the show is we do a recap of the games that happened before, uh, usually, you know, the Saturday before. And then we'll do a look at the Heisman standings, a look at our possible playoff teams. And then we also look at the coming week's games. So we'll we'll do all of that. Takes us roughly about an hour and a half each show. So uh, strap in, get ready. And here we go. So week four was last week. Uh, started on, I believe, Thursday was this West Virginia, Virginia Tech game. I can't remember for sure. But either way, yeah, it was Thursday because the Virginia-Syracuse game was Friday. So West Virginia, Virginia Tech, I mean, you know, I don't know how good Virginia Tech is this year. I know they had fired Fuentes, so I don't know even what – I don't even know who their coach is really. I kind of like lost track the last couple of years because they've been kind of bad. Um, and that's the other thing with this podcast. We don't really like focus on teams that are bad. It's per se. I mean, we will pay attention to them when they're playing good teams or something, or there's an upset, but for the most part, if they're bad, they kind of just get lost by the wayside because it's really, why should you pay attention to them? And that's just, that's just the way it is. It's a meritocracy, the way this podcast is run. So, Regardless, West Virginia wins 33-10. God, I'm I'm trying to say Keaton Slovis, but it's JT Daniels. (laughs) JT Daniels, the other USC transfer, um, he had a solid game. That running back, the tight end playing running back. uh, What is his name? Uh, Donaldson. Yeah, Donaldson. I mean, he's... He's a freaking freight train. I don't know how you stop him because he's fast and he's huge and he just runs right through people. Yeah, JT Daniels was like uh, 266% completion percentage, which is pretty good. Donaldson had over 100 yards. He had 23 carries. Damn. Yeah. That is that is a ton of carries for a guy that it wasn't even their running back to start the season was kind of like they threw him in a couple of carries in that first game and he's been really paying off uh, dividends. And then Virginia tech just looked terrible. Um, God, there says their leading rusher had 18 yards that game, which is that's atrocious. Uh, what did you see out of this Ian? Uh, this one was, more of I said more about the running game for West Virginia. I know there was a lot of flash with JT Daniels, um, especially when, you know, we uh, talked about it wasn't really a feature back, but the combination of CJ Donaldson and Justin, J- Justin Johnson Jr. Say that five times fast. Yeah. Um, that was really what kind of took Vod Tech out of this. And the other thing is, too, is that the defense of West Virginia did a great job. Uh, especially attacking uh, the running attack. They knew that Virginia Tech was pretty one-dimensional right now. Um, and they, didn't have, they don't have the best passing game. Wells did have a good game, figuratively speaking, um, but it, you know, not enough to be this West Virginia team. The defense really just kind of smothered them. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, West Virginia, it, it's setting up now because they're, they're two and two, you know, lost to Pitt, and, you know, really kind of difficult, uh, non-conference schedule because, you know, playing Vautech and Pitt, even though Pitt's better than Vautech, obviously, but like still both of them on the road are way tougher, uh, games and like a lot of these teams are playing these terrible teams to start the year and West Virginia is not playing them. They're playing tougher teams. So, you know, getting out of that split between Vautech and Pitt and only losing one game going one and one is a good split. They want that. I can't remember their other loss, but um, it sets up nicely now for them to jump into conference play and, um, you know, to have a solid run. Um, they have a, a big game this week that we'll talk about later, but, um, um, you know, I, I was never like huge on JT Daniels. I didn't, you know, obviously every Georgia fan thinks every quarterback they have is going to be a Heisman, even though they've never had a Heisman winning quarterback. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they hyped up JT Daniels so much in the last couple of years. And I was just like, I mean, he's all right, but he ain't like the best thing ever. He's still solid though. That's the thing. What I'm trying to say here mm-hmm. is that he's still capable of winning games and he's proven that so far. And I think, you know, if they go eight and four, I think that's still a solid year for them, which is possible with the, you know, amount of talent Donaldson and the other guy, what's the other guy's name is you said, John. Uh, it's John, Josh, or just like, no, Triple J. Triple J. We'll call him that. Triple J, okay. It's, uh... You're saving hundreds with the home and bundle from Progressive, but there's no saving that. I believe. Let me see. Tonight? Here we go. Justin, uh, Justin, Justin Johnson Jr., Justin Johnson Jr. Yeah, there it is. Okay, yeah, and that's a two-headed attack that, you know, that will be huge for them in conference play because if you have two really good running backs and a solid quarterback, you're way ahead of the game, especially against, you know, they're going to have games against Baylor, games against Oklahoma State, and those two are really good, Oklahoma State and Baylor. And then also, you know, games against... Oklahoma, which I don't know how good Oklahoma is. We'll see. I mean, after this week, okay, we'll so talk about works. it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it more. Okay, let's move on for your meeting with your go-to Virginia Syracuse on Friday. Uh Syracuse wins 22-20. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. I've been talking about it since probably, I think what did I say? Was it Louisville win. I think the Louisville win was like, oh, that's what made me think twice about Syracuse. And now, man, they're 4-0, like 2-0 in the conference, like good start. Like I'm I'm telling you, man, I I have a good feeling for them as far as you know their year is gonna be. I I think they're gonna have a hard time against Clemson. And they'll have a hard time against NC State, but the rest of those teams in their division, they gotta go Pitt, Wake Forest, Florida State. Um, I think they play Notre Dame. Yeah, they play Notre Dame. So this 
this is I know they play a layup game. I think it's Wagner this yeah. week. But then after that, it is a that is the prove me part of the schedule. Yeah, they've got six games in a row against potentially ranked teams except for Notre Dame. So and who knows by the time they play Notre Dame, maybe Notre Dame's ranked. But NC State, Clemson on the road, Notre Dame at home, Pitt on the road, FSU at home, which makes me excited because that means Syracuse has got a better chance of beating Florida State on, at home and Wake Forest on the road as well. So that's that's a tough road because um, I don't know. I can see them going three and three in that. I can see them beating Notre Dame. I can see them beating FSU. And then I think I think if they take either if they go one and one against Pitt and Wake Forest, they'll be three and three out of that that run, which that's that's all you can ask for out of that. Like if you go three and three, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's not the mm-hmm. end of the world. Okay. Um Anything that stood out, Armstrong, I don't know. He's kind of been disappointing this year, which is amazing because it's like he had such a good start last year. And, like, I don't know. He's just been kind of, eh, you know. Yeah, that's been the only – that was the thing that kind of stuck out this game is just – I think Syracuse is probably the up there with the best defensive team in the ACC, um, especially coverage-wise. They just don't give any – breathing room for any passing lanes and that they're they're literally telling you're gonna have to beat us on the ground because that's the thing i've seen in all these wins is that they just play man or they'll play you know shell zone and they're just telling you good luck throwing it you're not going to get far yeah and uh but i will just say that their offense is i think the reason why they're winning though i mean i know their defense is good but like i'm saying like because their offense has been an issue the last couple of years. I've noticed that where they weren't putting up too many, too much points. And now it seems like they're capable of putting up, you know, 30 plus points if they have to, I know it was only 22 in this one, but um, I still think they're capable of putting up more points. And that's, that's huge because, um, you know, that's, you know, you go up against a team like Clemson, you go up against a team like Wake Forest, you got to score points. And like, you know, those teams score a lot of points. And it's like, if you want a chance against them, you got to put up a decent amount of points. So uh, let's move on. Let's move on to Maryland, Michigan. Um, I watched some of this live and it was kind of like, eh, I don't know. I mean, Maryland was there, but again, you know, anyone can start their season three and oh or whatever and like get off to a hot start because they play a couple of tomato cans to get them a good record but i just i don't know how good maryland is you know and so it's like it's not really like it's not proof of how good michigan is yet um they're trying to hype up their quarterback mccarthy and i just don't see it yet um, I mean, he was relatively accurate and had a couple of touchdowns, but the real difference in the game was the running back, uh, Corum, who had 243 yards and two TDs. I mean, when you have something like that, you're you're probably going to win most a, games. 
he has been a sleeper of a running back that I don't yeah. think a lot of people are talking about because I, I think he's averaging over seven yards a carry, which is insane. And I think he has like almost 10 touchdowns already too. As a, that's, I understand the big 10 is a very run oriented old school style, but that's still very impressive. Well, again, Ian, it's against who he's playing against. That's, that's what you have to like true. counter. It's like the teams he's played so far have been not good. And I don't even know how good this Maryland team is until I see them. Maryland play against was the it. toughest team they've played so far. I know they play Iowa this week, and that's going to be obviously the toughest defense they'll play. Yeah, but defense so and, you know, Iowa's offense is nothing. Like it's like the, it's like the, the complete opposite of, like at Ohio State, where it's like Ohio State can score, Iowa does nothing. Like they they won that game the first week seven to three or whatever it was, and it was two safeties and a two field safeties goal. Safeties and a field goal. Yeah, that's dude. That's I'm sorry, but like I know Michigan's gonna roll that game, and that's another like I don't know. I just you know. It's tough to really decide if these teams are any good unless they play someone that's capable of beating them. And what I was thinking, actually, when I was watching some of these highlights, I was like, you know what would be a good idea is if um, these uh, the playoff teams from the year before, they, like, they played like um, neutral site games the next year. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like... Coming into the year, they're like, oh, well, you played each other last year. Now you're going to play each other this year as well. But it's like the first game of the year. So it's almost like, I don't know. I just, I would find that interesting because then it also, why it makes it a little bit more interesting is those teams, those top tier teams would then start off with a loss. So then it almost gives those other teams a chance to try to make the playoff. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's like, I think that it, it's, a, but it won't matter in like a year or two when the playoff expands officially. So like, I'm just saying that would be an interesting idea, but whatever. Um, Anything else for you on this before we move on? Um, Just a solid game from a uh, quorum of the Michigan was basically the one I wanted to talk about. I, I honestly think he might be the best running back in the nation right now. Okay, all right, let's move on. All right, here was the most exciting game of the day. Clemson-Wake Forest, just a back-and-forth game, completely ruined by Aaron Judge's break-in every <laughs> ha- like every 20 minutes or so. Oh, my God, and, I and was I'm like... And I'm speaking as a diehard baseball fan. <laughs> I will, Even I was screaming, get that shit off the TV. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, okay, if it's like, you know, in, like... They're in a huddle, or it's like, you know, they're about to kick off. Fine, fine, fine. But it was like Clemson was driving the field with two <laughs> yeah. minutes left. They're like, oh, it's checking with Aaron Judge. I'm like, just check in later. I I didn't understand it. I, you know, I'm not the biggest baseball fan because a lot of the stuff that baseball does kind of mystifies me because a lot of it is like not logical. And uh I just I was just like, what the fuck? Like, why are we... This is like a very good game. And people that are college football fans are not necessarily baseball fans. So it's like... I know, I'm like the one exception. But if I was like, if I really wanted to watch... Like, that was actually my plan that day. I was like, shoot, Aaron Judge could hit 60... Uh, 61. Yeah, he could hit 61 home runs today. I was. They give me the alert. 
There's literally an Aaron Judge alert on the MLB app. I'll yeah. be like, okay, I'll put that on my phone and then I'll put it on the TV. But then ESPN is like, no, 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 we got you covered. And I was like, you real like, no, I don't want you to cover it. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's what like I don't understand. It's like if we wanted to watch MLB Network, we would have watched an MLB Network. We don't need you to break in. Like I I didn't get it. I don't know. But uh regardless, this game was great. You know, this maybe this proves finally that Clemson's offense is back in the the fold where it's gonna put up a lot of points again. I think Wake's defense is not as good, so that probably helped a lot in this case. Um Ugulele, you know, put up 371 and five TDs. That's a huge game. And then my boy Sam Hartman, man, 337, six TDs. I'm loving it because you know what that means next week. We'll talk about it later, but I'm excited about that because that means good old boys FSU are going to be in trouble. And, uh, you know, they, I don't know. This game was very close. It obviously went into double overtime and could have gone either way. It really could have. Like, it it was that close. And, you know, it's a shame that Wake had to lose it, but I think Clemson is overall the better team. I think that's just what it is right now. And, you know, Clemson probably has a better path for all of it where wake was going to be tough to try to get all that done like a ACC and a CFP berth, which Clemson has a better chance of that. But anything that stands out from this game for you, Ian, I I agree with you that watching this game, I felt so bad. One of them had to lose. Yeah. I wish it was like hockey where you could at least like give them a point in overtime. <laughs> yeah. it was, I just felt so bad. Like when, the, when, you know, the Hartman, the ball was intercepted. I was in the end zone. I was like, oh, man, that's, you know, not that that's a bummer, but like, because that it was a thrilling finish. But I was like, man, I really didn't want any of these team, teams to lose. I thought they both deserved to win. I hate that both Wake has to, like, get saddled with a loss. But, yeah, they oh, were, this is easily the best game of the day. Um, ben, again, both um, offenses played fantastic, but the one key, I do want to bring up is that um, not only did Clemson have the ball longer, more yards, yeah, they had more rushing yards. And I think that was the key is that, again, I believe it was um, Shipley um, yeah. of Clemson who had a, a, over 100 yards, and I think he had a touchdown too. Yeah. Um, and I know it was an air raid that whole game. But when Clemson had to run the ball, they could run it. They know yeah. the secondary and the cornerbacks were backing up. They felt confident in running it. Not exactly the same for Wake. Now, Wake did have over 100 yards rushing, but you could tell they were definitely, you know, relying more on Hartman's accuracy more than anything. And it's funny because Hartman did technically throw the ball less than Clemson, but I always had the feeling that. Clemson was waiting for them to throw it because they know the running attack wasn't as dangerous. And I think that's what the key was, is that Wake could only throw it, but yeah. Clemson could throw and have the threat of running it as well. I think I, I've noticed here Clemson had 10 penalties, which if that is the case going forward, they need to be very careful because they didn't get bit by this in this game because they obviously won, but you know, if they have a lot of penalties, 10 plus, you know, I mean, that almost bit 
Alabama against Texas, I think they had what 15, right? Something like that. And so it's like, you got to be careful. If you have a lot of penalties, there's a good chance you're going to lose that game. So uh, let's move on. Uh, so Baylor, Iowa state, um, you know, I just didn't think Iowa state was like that much up to task for this game. Just felt like Baylor was pretty much in control the entire time. And Baylor wins 31-24. Um, uh, Shapen, solid, pretty accurate. Almost, uh, like, I think, almost 80%. No, like like 70% passing. Um, and the other guy, he was decent accuracy for Iowa State Deckers, but he yeah. had two interceptions, and that's that's probably really the key right there was those interceptions because the turnovers really changed the, uh, how this game was going. But, um, I don't know. I, I know that Baylor lost that one, but it was a non-conference game. And as of right now, they have everything to play for and potentially still playoff because the, the loss was against BYU. So like, you know, they're, they're still in the mix for almost everything. So they just need to keep winning, which I think they're capable of. I think their biggest competition is Oklahoma State, which that's who they played in the championship last year. So maybe that comes down to it again. Um, they, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, they, they also seem to have the ball more. They had the ball like 10 minutes more than Iowa State. Anything that stands out to you from this one? So I, I would agree that Baylor got all the breaks they needed. And I think that yeah. was the key is once they put that lead. Now, Iowa State really just wouldn't go away until the fourth quarter when um, Shapin hit that pass. It was a 38-yard touchdown uh, or four-yard touchdown. It was a big pass. That you could kind of tell was when they were pulling it back. But again, I think the key was that Baylor didn't have any turnovers and they had the time of possession game yeah. as well. Um, they were much more disciplined, much more smart with the ball. But for uh, Iowa State, it's a tough loss. Now, they did have time to get back into this, but Baylor was just playing keep away. They were playing, again, playing smart, no need to, you know, play dangerously they were uh playing keep away from uh the cyclones and that i will say the highlight of the game was kind of the theme of saturday was uh matt campbell absolutely no fees or minimums no overdrafts um, or another was, like, reason making capital was one is an easier decision they had the than this. Bad. He had a clutch hit you know, there <laughs> for some penalties um i i just remember that was besides the big touchdown pass that was like the highlight of the game Wait, sorry. There was some noise on my end. Just say it again. What was the exact thing? I didn't hear what you said. It was when um, uh, Campbell, he was looking like he was going to choke slam a referee um, after a penalty. <laughs> uh, and honestly, the, the penalty was a bit egregious, so I kind of feel him. I, I just do love it when coaches act like us. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know they shouldn't, but they do. I was like, you're not like, supposed to react like me screaming at the TV, but I do appreciate it knowing that I'm not alone. Like Billy Napier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get into that, you know. <laughs> okay, let's move, let's move on. So uh TCU SMU. Um 
let's see i didn't watch an extended highlights of this one because it was like a, a like a high scoring game so i didn't get a real good feel of this game but uh mordecai decent game just two interceptions really kind of derailed them a little bit but tcu that's a sneaky team that we'll see how good they're going to be i mean this is a solid victory for tcu i i'm curious to see where this team goes i don't think they'll be that great i think they'll be um probably someone that's finishes like eight and four maybe seven and five Potentially, I don't know. I mean, it just—it's tough to say. They start; they've started off hot. Um, their running back Miller had a big day. Um, he had a couple long runs, and uh, I don't know. What, what did you see from this game, Ian? It's very similar to the Wake Clemson game for me because again, see, this was pretty even. Um, yeah. I I, was, I don't even think TCU maybe had like ten yards more. Um, and time possession was almost equal. Um, yeah. I always pay attention to that because that usually tells you, you know, who the winner is. Um, but again, SMU had those two turnovers. Like I said, it's not just like, oh, you gave the ball. It, it, again, it sounds stupid when I say it, but it literally means you cannot score. You just gave away an opportunity to score. Um, and that was crucial, especially because I believe uh, one of them was a pick six. Um, or not a pick six. Um I think one of them was for a score. But again, what, what I mentioned, though, is that like Clemson and Wake, the rushing attack is what was able to keep SMU on their heels on defense, while TCU could sit back and sit on Mordecai's passing, which was very effective. Now, Mordecai had a, a great game. He had over almost 400 yards. He had the two touchdowns and all that. But the running attack was not there. Meanwhile, again, uh, Kendra Miller fantastic game almost he had a touchdown and, and over ripped off huge plays um max it just made it a lot easier for max. tcu to spread out uh the mustangs sorry my dog's barking maxi come on bud come here bud come here come here just um okay so let's see yeah i mean those two picks were probably the difference in the game because i think one of them was in the end zone wasn't it i i yeah yeah and, and i don't remember if it got returned all the way but i remember it he threw it in the end zone i'm like oh man you can't do that okay real quick we'll go over this one uh south florida louisville louisville wins 41-3 i don't really have much to say i'm you know one and three i don't really want to delve too deep into it because it's just you know I don't want to waste people's time talking about a team that's terrible. I would have loved to be more talking about this team if they ended up seven and five, but you know, like I predicted, but the the likelihood of that happening is less and less every day. So um, I watched the highlights and, you know, Malik Cunningham was doing whatever he wanted and, you know, USF, God, Bohannon had 62 yards passing and two interceptions and a fumble lost as well. Uh, and the rushing attack, the 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 rushing leader on USF had 45 yards. Just terrible. But uh, anything you see on this? Um, doesn't make me feel better as a Gator fan. 
well, as a I mean, fan, it doesn't make me feel good. But especially as a Gator fan, I'm like, oh, guys, come on. You know, I will say this. Someone that I, uh, you know, there's this guy, Pat Dooley, that's for the Gainesville Sun that does um, WRUF in Gainesville. And he does a show every day there for them. And he does say this a lot, which I, I do think this makes a lot of sense. Each game is its own thing. Like you can't use transitive property to try to equate that a team is better than another by them beating another team because they played each other. Like, I just don't think it works that way because like he says, each game is separate. Like it has its own quirks and things that go into it. And each team like has its own game plan for each team. So they play each other differently and they match up differently due to the personnel that they have. So you cannot really like extrapolate from each separate game that, Oh, FSU, you know, beat Louisville and Louisville destroyed USF and USF played Florida better. So that means that Florida state would, would beat or destroy Florida. That doesn't make any sense because all those games are separate. They had their own individual circumstances, why they ended up the way they did, you know, in that USF game, I, when I rewatched it, it was 24, 10 at one point. And if Florida scores another, another touchdown at, at one point right there. And they go up uh 31-10. They likely win that game like 45 to the like 20 or something like that. But because there was some mistakes, there was two interceptions. One of the drives they were uh driving and into the end zone. They were five yards away from the touchdown, and he throws an interception. I just each game is its own thing. And it has its own circumstances, why it ended up the way it did. That's just how I'm going to say. So let's move on. Uh, real quick, UCLA, Colorado. Again, I really love Charbonneau. He's probably my favorite running back in the country. Um, he doesn't get as much pub because they're on the West Coast. Most people don't see their games. But I love watching them play. Their offense is solid. Um, they struggled the week before, which I think that was just a blip on the radar. I don't think that's really like who they are. I think they're still capable of getting to nine wins this year, which is definitely possible. And, um, DTR had another solid game, 19 of 23, very accurate, uh, two TDs, uh, you know, they were in control of this game and never looked back. And um, like I said, I'm excited for UCLA because it seems like Chip Kelly's going to stay and he's really resurrected this team. And it's great. I, I love it. I'm so happy for them because I love the teams in L.A. when they're doing well, because it's good for college football that the second largest media market in the country has people to root for and you know it's it's uh you know the point now where it's like usc is undefeated ucla is undefeated and we're like a third of the way through the season and it's like you know i know ucla's schedule is more difficult coming up whoa wow yeah yeah they i think they play <laughs> next 
they go Washington, yep. Utah, which I think both of them are home, and then they got to go to Eugene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I if those are gimmies. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I know. I have a game on Saturday. Um that week the utah game but i would actually love to go see that utah ucla game if i can i don't know i'll see what happens if i if i have a game that day i may not go but um um no but ucla is gonna get tested here so um the the back end of their schedule isn't as tough because they have stanford arizona state arizona and then california maxi come here come here come here and he's terrible tonight. The um, only hold thing on, let, I want to close the door. All right. Sorry, you were saying? The only thing I want to add is that I'm staying by this. Colorado is the worst Power 5 team in college football. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. They're terrible, and I've I've said that I'm gonna stick by it, stick by it. I remember I remember I said that when I was at work. They go, no, you know, you got those other teams like you know, you got Vandy, you got Rutgers, and I'm like, yeah, they will beat them if they played each other. Oh yeah, th- those teams have more wins and are actually competitive with the teams that they're losing to too. As yes. well. <laughs> except for Vandy against Alabama, that was one well, other story. But... I mean, <laughs> you're going against you know a machine there. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. So, surprise team that I don't think we were really talking about at the beginning of the year, but now we definitely have to start talking about more is Minnesota going up against Michigan State and a huge ass whooping. Like, this game wasn't even close. Like, Michigan State scored with, like, a minute to go in the game. So or less than to like prevent the shutout, which I'm like, dude, that's pathetic. Like, just run the game out. You don't need to score yeah. to like the whatever. That's loser stuff. But their quarterback Thorne looked terrible for Michigan State. Two interceptions, wow. 132 yards passing. But you know what was really the difference? I don't know if you remember last year why Minnesota struggled last year. Do you remember their running back Ibrahim uh, yeah. getting hurt? Yeah, and that's really what, like, I think was the difference because this year he's back, and they're so much better than they were last year, and he's such a difference maker. And he had 103 yards, uh, a TD, and just you know their their quarterback Morgan had a solid game, and it's just they I, they dominated. It was an ass kicking from the beginning, and uh, um, it's good to finally have. Another team besides just Iowa and Wisconsin in that other division, because like it seems like those are the only two. And uh, but now hopefully Minnesota can contend more and more. I know they had at one point like a couple years ago, but last couple years have been kind of tough. But um, I I think Minnesota has what it takes to win the division uh, and. They have some tough games. They have Purdue next, Penn State, Rutgers. But the rest of it seems winnable. Like, I mean, besides those two games, I don't think I don't think they're really that far off from winning this division. What uh what do you think on this, Ian? No, I'm uh I'm I'm right there with you. This game wasn't, you know, 
they they just strangled Michigan State is what happened. They dominated in rushing, passing, defensively. I know they almost had over 40 minutes of time possession. Michigan State couldn't even stay on the field long enough. It was complete just stay there for a cup of coffee, get punched in the mouth, and then Michigan State goes out and scores a touchdown. It was methodical, and it was a complete, you know, like they were just like taking them apart is what it looked like. Um, Mich- yeah, I'm, I think it says more about Michigan State, too, because this team had a lot of hype going into the year. You get upset against Washington, who I know is right now, but again, should have is a beatable team. Uh, and then you get decimated against Minnesota, who now leaps frogs in the standings. Now it's a toss-up whether they can, you know, because I know they go at, uh, I don't know if they're at Maryland. Yeah, they're at Maryland next I think they're game. at Maryland. Then yeah. they play the Buckeyes, then Wisconsin, and I think Michigan. I know they yeah. end the year at Penn State. That's, there's not a lot of gimme games there. And I well, they play, they play Illinois, Rutgers, and Indiana three in a row. So they'll get All at right. least three of those. But yeah, the, I don't see them. I don't see them beating a lot of these teams. And it, it, it makes you think twice about the fact that they, uh, um, they gave that huge contract to Mel Tucker after one year. And I don't know, maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. We'll find out. I mean, they, so many people were like high on Mel Tucker and I'm like, okay, they did all right. But, um, I don't know. Will will he be a team that contends with Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State? I mean, we'll find out when this uh, when the when they go through their schedule. Okay, so let's move on. Texas, Texas Tech. This was an interesting game. Uh, back and forth goes overtime. Uh, Texas Tech wins thirty seven thirty four. Just, I mean, now Texas is two and two. Just kind of. Man, the luster off that after that Bama game is kind of worn off, so it doesn't look as good. But Bijan Robinson had a good game, 101 rushing, two TDs. That brutal fumble. Yeah, I know that was that was rough. And both quarterbacks played pretty well. Um, Card had an interception though, which you know Robinson's fumble and that interception really were kind of backbreakers but i mean texas was leading most of the game and you know i don't know it just texas tech came back tied it up and then they uh what is it uh texas are they both they they both hit field goals at the end there to force overtime which was like crazy because uh Texas had 21 seconds and somehow got down to get it in field goal position, tie it up. And then, you know, they go in overtime and yeah. And then, uh, you know, with that, that fumble really was the difference, but uh, no, uh, I, I don't know what this Texas team is going to do now. I really don't because this is not a good loss. Texas Tech is not Texas Tech is not one of the the top tier teams of the Big Twelve, and um, it's more than likely it might be an arbiter of what is to come. So, a seven and five season, 
maybe at best an eight and four. So we'll see. What do you think from this game, Ian? I was going to say for me, especially for Texas, this is a serious look in the mirror and where are you situation. Because so many, <laughs> I've always thought about this where, you know, this was an upset, but I said, Texas's best win that got them ranked isn't even a win. It's a one point loss to Alabama. Yeah. So that's where I, was, I think this was like reality setting in that, like, yes, I think that was, I'm, I'm starting to think that that was just more Bama having a bad game than Texas being good. Because I wasn't fully drinking the Kool Aid on Texas, but I was like, okay. Okay, there is improvement there. They played good against UTSA, um, which on it, I know it's a sounds like a joke, but that is a <laughs> tough team. Yeah, that it, I said that was a trap game. But then to go to Texas Tech, and this is a team you're supposed to, you know, beat. No disrespect, to Texas Tech, and they're definitely a team to keep an eye on now in the Big Twelve. Um, but it's like the same thing with Oklahoma, which we'll get to as well. It's you got to look in the mirror and figure out like where are you going. Because you're not going forward, you're going backwards. The you know defense has not been the same since the Alabama game. They could not get out off the field. Third down conversions were brutal. They gave up big plays, and again, they couldn't. You know, Texas just couldn't stay on the field long enough. The offense, I actually think, played very good. But the yeah. defense, and I understand it's the Big Twelve, but. You got to get your offense on the field. You, you got to find a way to stop them. And there was absolutely no resistance. I When I was watching that game, even when um, Texas, like Texas Tech would take the lead or when Texas, I think, went up 31 to 17 at one point in the third quarter, I was like, nah, I'm, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm still not feeling this sheep. It's because the defense had not proven to me in the past two games that they can hold an attack like that. And they didn't. So the season for Texas is at a crossroads. Now you got to figure out how to get through this because this was a humbling loss. And hopefully if they take it where that Alabama game doesn't show how good you are, it shows how bad Bama was. Yeah. Um, the one thing I, I, I forgot, I noted here in my notes, but uh, um they had the ball on like the 50-ish yard line and there was like two minutes left and it was fourth and three and Texas Tech was going for it, which is like super ballsy because it's like if you don't get it, you basically give Texas at least premium field position. What? At least three points at that. I mean, because they could just chip it you know, down the field at that point. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, damn, that is some balls on that coach. Um, but it paid off because they ended up getting down the field and getting the field goal. But all right, so let's move to the game of the day. Um, Florida, Tennessee. Um, you know, I I wasn't – I don't know how to say this. I mean, I guess I was disappointed in the, de- in the defense. Obviously, Trey Dean – was terrible in certain aspects and was the reason that, you know, there was like busted coverages on at least two plays because of him. But there were other plays that just they couldn't stop Hendon Hooker running the ball, which was terrible, which I didn't understand. But, you know, it's difficult when you're playing six man in coverage 
and you only have five guys at the line, like, you know, and then they had like Ventrell Miller as the linebacker, like Ventrell is not that fast. He is kind of fast, but he's not like fast laterally. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's like when, um, Hooker would like make his move. Like Ventrell was like gone. Like he was, he couldn't even like catch up with him laterally. And so a hooker would just go right by him. And so, um, you know, Tennessee offensively looks like, I would say offensively, they're one of the better teams, probably top five in the country offensively. Defensively, though, I would say they're not very good. And that probably helped with. Florida, but I also think now, okay, so it seemed like that in the f- the last couple of games, the Kentucky and USF game for Florida, that um, they kind of limited AR for whatever reason. And I think they did that on purpose because they thought that they could get out of those two games, potentially winning both of those games without having to force him too much. And I don't think they did. They never really ran the ball with him. They never really, like, rolled him out of the pocket too much. They kind of just kept it safe and ran the ball. And they were having success running the ball, so that helped too, But uh, which they didn't have in this game. But I think, I don't know, I think they finally realized that they knew this was going to be the tougher game out of the first four probably than, like – because like Utah was solid. Utah is a very solid team, but I think Tennessee poses a bigger problem because they can score more points than any of those four teams. And that was like, okay, we needed to score points if we were going to win this game. We were going to have to score at least minimum thirty-five, which you know we scored uh, thirty-three. Not we, they. Sorry, I, I need to stop doing that. But uh, so thirty-three. But um, I think they really took off. The like the restraints on AR, and I think largely the restraints were on because uh, Miller has been hurt, and um, uh, the other backups are kind of young guys yeah, like that Kitna. don't angle and uh, Kidna, they don't have experience, so they don't really they really couldn't rely on those guys. So they had to roll with AR, and it's like if AR got hurt, they would have been screwed. So they kind of, I think they kept him in check and it kind of hurt his confidence as well because he was like I think mentally he was like oh I got to be careful here cuz I can't get hurt and I got to play it safe and if in this game he did not play it safe he was loose he was confident man the like I don't know like I I've been watching some of the um uh, different uh, like highlights of just routes and people like talking about how the routes were for the, the, for the receivers. And I was like, man, this is, they were open. They were open on a lot of plays and, you know, uh, AR hit a lot of uh, big chunks. And, um, you know, I, you know, if, if that fumble doesn't happen, on when they're driving in the fourth quarter, like when it was like early in the fourth quarter, they have a chance of uh, getting it with a three-point game at that point. Could have been a lot closer. You know, Tennessee goes up a little bit more there, so it kind of makes it harder for Florida. But almost a miracle, and Florida goes and puts um, – they go down they go down, score a touchdown and then get within uh, five – and they onside kick and boom, like, 
dude, when they onside kicked that and he got yeah. it, that man, that was wild. I was like, oh my god, they have a chance! Like I couldn't believe it, and and to to have the ball in your hands with the last play is all you can really ask for, considering how well Tennessee was in control of that game, especially the second half. Well, especially from the end of the first half on, like to be still have a chance at that game was remarkable. And um, I love that Billy went for it on fourth downs as much as he did. I know some people had issue with the fourth down um, in the beginning where that first drive where they were in field goal range and he decided to go for it. I saw highlights where it's like, it looked like he clearly could have got there if he like went the right, went the right way on the, on the run AR, but he didn't. And so they didn't get the first, but I don't know. I love the fact that they're going for these fourth downs, especially when it's like aggressive and you're like being like, we're going to try to take these chances to win this game. And I, you know, again, with that fourth down, I would rather them go for the touchdown than go for three points because three points is not going to win a game against a team like Tennessee that just scores touchdowns for the most part. So Ian, I want to hear your thoughts on this game. This this game reminded me a lot of the Kentucky game where it was a good game for Florida, and this was AR's best game by far the season. But they got in their own way. Like that coverage was atrocious. Like there, I can't even say there was coverage. There was no coverage. The the defense gave up way too many big plays. The one that especially was when Hendon Hooker um broke the tackle behind the line and then ran for like 30, 40 yards like that. You can't do that. That has been a a sticking point has been broken tackles um, that I've seen with USF and Kentucky. You have to wrap them up or else that happens, especially with somebody as dangerous as hooker. The, I will say definitely the offense played it about as good as they possibly could. Um, AR had a fantastic game almost over 400 yards, two TDs. um, And he was, very good running the ball. He looked that was the most comfortable ARs looked all season, including Utah. Um, and maybe there was at one point where I yelled at the TV, I think it was when he threw the pass to zipper, and you know, he completely trucked that one uh Tennessee kid. And I remember just screaming at the TV, like, Where the hell has this been? Like, seriously, <laughs> and I feel like you know, I was like, Well, like, this is what it's like without the training, mode. it's awesome, like, yeah. they need to do <laughs> Just do that. And that was the other thing, too. And I remember I was telling my cousin this. I was telling him is the thing with AR is the only reason I'm concerned is his consistency. And I think everybody can agree that AR is not the most consistent quarterback. Some games, he has a game like this over 400 yards, you know, able to run in the pocket. And then there's times where it's like USF Kentucky, where he's just like, it's like he's got an anchor in, in his pants. Um, I, it kind of, you know, he definitely was very good passing. Um, he made the smart reads. He definitely didn't try to force anything except for obviously the last play of the game. Um, cause he had to, um, but again, I just, the defense again is a letdown, um, and not taking anything away from Tennessee, like Tennessee easily, one of the best offenses. And I, honestly, I am probably okay thinking Tennessee does have the best offense in the SEC. Um, but it's like, you know, it was like practice for Tennessee's offense. There was, you know, blown coverage, play after play after play. 
and heck Hendon Hooker could do whatever he wanted. He didn't look uncomfortable. There was no pressure, no nothing. And even when there was pressure, there was no pursuit of him because Hendon Hooker can roll out. There was no, I don't understand why there wasn't a spy there, you know, because he is a mobile quarterback. Um, and again, the coverage is, issues were unacceptable against an SEC team like Tennessee right now. Um, for Tennessee, easily their best win. Of, I'm say there is definitely some fire to the smoke at Neyland Stadium, but um, for Florida, again, you've got to you know fix what you can fix, and you got to find a way to figure out what is wrong with the defense because it hasn't been looking good most of the season. There's at least one or two times they just can't either get off the field or make you know, the necessary stops with the exception of U- the Utah game, obviously. Um, I'm not, I'm with you. I'm disappointed because again, Florida might have had a chance to win this game if they just, you know, got out of their own way. Um, but nevertheless, it was always good to see, you know, AR look comfortable in the pocket. Hopefully he can continue that. Um, the wide receiver core looks great. Um, shorter Purcell zipper um, had their best games. I think as long as they've been wearing a Gator helmet on them, I haven't seen them play that good. Um, so they have to find a way to build on this. And for Tennessee, you know, they're flying sky high now. Yeah, but you know, their next four or five games are against very good opponents. They play at LSU, Alabama. Kentucky and then add Georgia. So, you know, and they've got a, a cupcake in between there, but they more than likely will lose. They will go two and two in those big games. So, um, and more than likely one and three. I think they're going to lose to LSU this week. Um, but spoiler alert, well, we'll talk about that. Um, where, real quick on Florida before we go on, where do you see the rest of the season playing out? How do you envision this? Um, you see, the problem is, is that they have a tough schedule. It, it's, I mean, I would say, I know Eastern Washington should be a layup. Um, God willing, if they play, um, Missouri should be a win. Although Missouri's always been a sticky team. It, it, the problem is, is I don't know what Gator team is going to show up on the field. Are we going to get the, you know, the Gator team that, you know, played well over their heads against Utah and got the upset and had an electric offense against Tennessee. Are we going to get a game where they scrape by against USF and get outclassed and now coached against an American school that got blown out by Louisville? Or are they going to shoot themselves in the foot like they did against Kentucky? It's a roll of the dice with every game. It's like Russian roulette every time I watch them, and it's terrifying. Um, I would say I can see them probably, at least from my original prediction, I would probably flip one or two losses I expected them to have. Um, but again, it just depends on what team shows up. They have to prove to me they can be a consistent team and build off good performances. And again, they haven't yet. I, um, I'm still of the mindset that they could go nine and three. Um, I don't think that out of all these teams on their schedule left besides Georgia, 
I think all of those games are winnable games. Even the Texas A&M game on the road. I'm not really afraid of Texas A&M's offense, which I which is great because if their offense is as putrid as they look, I I really think that Florida can outscore them. I mean, their defense is good, but I still think Florida can put up points against them. Um, South Carolina, Vandy, uh, Missouri, don't scare me at all. Um, LSU, it's at home, so it gives the Gators a better chance. And then the Florida State game. Like I said, Florida State has a bunch of games coming up, which they'll get brought back down to earth, and I'm not worried about that. So really – all it is is the Georgia game, and that scares me less and less the more I watch of Georgia. Like, they didn't look good against Kent State. They looked quite average. I mean, you know, Kent State was in that game for a good good little bit, and, um, you know, I just don't think Georgia is as scary as they, everyone makes them out to be. I mean, they destroyed South Carolina, but I, I don't think highly of South Carolina. And so uh, I just think that Florida – can go nine and three. Will they? I don't know. It's it's definitely a chance. How good of a chance? I don't know at this point. I think it does depend on the offense. If they can really score points, because the defense is not very good. So they just have to really just outscore everyone they play, which I think they can outscore pretty much everyone that they play except for Georgia. And Florida State's got a better offense than the rest of those. So I would say Florida State, Florida game would be a high-scoring game, I'm I'm going to say at this point. But I don't know. I, I like what AR is doing. I know he's been inconsistent, but I think I think what we saw Saturday – is more of what we'll see potentially not exactly the same amount. I mean, that was like, that's like the best, one of the best performances by a Gator quarterback ever, like the statistically. <laughs> so like, we're, we're not going to see that every week, but we potentially could see 250 plus every week and uh, you know, maybe 80 yards rushing. And so I really think that he's going to be solid more so now just because I, it looks like the play calling is there, which more than anything, that's huge. Because if the play calling is there, that gives the the team a chance to see what they're making their mistakes at. And if they can fix them in practice, then they will be, you know, making so much headway during uh, the game. So I don't know. We'll see. But let's move on. Uh, Arkansas, Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M wins 23-21. This one was very close all the way through. Arkansas had a chance to win it at the end, and the field goal hits the top of the field goal post and bounces back out. It is no good. I don't know what it is with A&M and (laughs) Arkansas. I don't know if Jerry Jones puts on like some voodoo stuff every time they go into the Jerry World Stadium. But it is always like the craziest game of the year. Yeah. Like, like KJ Jefferson fumbled it at the one, then AM was returning it, went to the nine, and then the linebacker gave it to the like cornerback and he scored a touchdown. Just ran it, yeah. Yeah, and I saw that. that. Was crazy. I'm like, what in the name of God is going on? And then the field goal <laughs> doinked off the 
uh, post, I was like, I remember like thinking like at halftime, I was like, oh yeah, this is the game where like it goes batshit sideways. Yeah, it, it was crazy. And, you know, again, AM doesn't look that great. They are a very average offense at best. Uh, Max Johnson only had 151 yards um, passing. Um, they got very lucky this game. Yeah, but Achain went for over 159 yards, so he was obviously able to run the ball. But KJ Jefferson, not a not the most dynamic game as far as like passing wise, but he did still run for 105 yards and a touchdown. So, um, it was close. Like I thought Arkansas with that lead was going to be able to, uh, um, to take care of them. But then A&M came back. They got that, you know, fumble return for a touchdown, which was huge. Cause that was honestly, that's the difference in the game. Cause if Arkansas scores there, uh, they're up like 21, seven at that point, that's, they're probably likely likely winning that game. So um, that was the difference maker in the game. But, uh, you know, Arkansas still, you know, not 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 the end of the world because they have a lot of in front of them. Um, their schedule is brutal. Yeah, <laughs> but it's always brutal for teams in the West, you know, the, but especially with that non-conference BYU game and and Liberty. Which both yep. of those are like not gimmies at all. They're only like fortunate that they have in their schedule is the fact that their SEC East team that they play this year, um, besides South Carolina, is Missouri. So they got kind of lucky with, or Missouri's their like constant t- team they play in the SEC East, but they got lucky there. Um, but Arkansas is still a lot to play for. It's going to be a tough schedule, but. Hey, if they win nine games, that's a that's a great year for them. So, which is still possible. So, uh, let's move on. Uh, ass whooping of epic proportions. Wisconsin was never in this game. So, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Uh, Ohio State wins fifty two twenty one. Just just a beat down. CJ Stroud looked great. Five TDs. He did have a pick, but didn't really matter. Mertz, man, Mertz is such an average quarterback. I remember he had like one good game in like his first ever start and everyone like, like kind of like held that extrapolation out forever. And it's like, he's just terrible. He's not a good quarterback. And, um, you know, they ran the ball all right, but they were, they were down 21, nothing like in a matter of moments in this game, it was, you know, it was over. Like the game was over within the first quarter and, uh, they went up 28, nothing at one point. And it just was a route. And, uh, you know, nothing really stood out to me as far as Wisconsin. I just, it was all Buckeyes. It was just an ass whooping. And Henderson had 121 yards. So huge game for the guys on offense and uh, their defense is solid. So Ohio State definitely looks like one of the best teams in the country. I would argue probably top two at this point. I'm the same way. This is just, you know, this was Ohio State flexing their muscles. It's really what it was. Yeah. Um, anything else from you on this one? Um, not much. Again, it, it was Ohio State just uh, showing off how talented they are. They, this was 
the most comfortable I think they looked. And I know they were blowing out teams, but that was um, especially up, at least offensively, especially from Stroud, um, the best game they've had this season. Yeah, by far. Okay, moving on. Kansas State, Oklahoma. Um, this one, you know, Kansas State was in control of this game. Oklahoma really, like, you know, tried to come back, but it was just like Martinez just solid. I mean, he had a lot of yards. He had nearly um, uh, nearly 400 yards total offense and uh, 148 on the ground, four TDs on the ground. And Dylan Gabriel had a decent game, but just, I mean, they were playing catch-up almost the entire time. And uh, Kansas State just, you know, you know, even though it was tied at one point, 14-14, you know, K-State just came back at them and had the lead at halftime and and just kept going. And then they – what really was the difference was um, in the fourth quarter when they were able to go up by two touchdowns, I knew – I knew that they were going to win that game, and they did. And they – you know, they, they seemed to be Oklahoma's, like, you know uh, – Stick in their craw, just their their kryptonite. You know, they're 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 not capable of taking this team down for whatever. They're basically like Florida's uh, Florida's Missouri, like essentially what K State is. But anything that stands out to you, Ian? I just remembered, like, I was thinking back to when you know, obviously before I was born, but I remember when like Kansas State was like declared like irrelevant or futility U in the eighties because they were like the worst power five team for a decade and Oklahoma would like just like elbow them every time they play them but and, and I know that was the perception again coming into this game but this was a game where like Oklahoma beat themselves they you know they just couldn't get off the field uh and Kansas City played keep away there was no you know real urgency from Oklahoma that whole game I was like telling them I was yelling, like, guys, you got to wake up. You might lose this. And by the time they did, it was too late. When the fourth quarter hit and they went down by two touchdowns, I was like, yeah, that's that was it. it. Yeah, when that Martinez was it. had that big run and they had the 75-yard drive, I, I remember thinking, like, Oklahoma right now has no killer instinct. They have to find a way when these games happen, when it's a trap game like this, to just beat through adversity. And they didn't on their own home field. And to me, that's unacceptable. A team as talented as Oklahoma shouldn't have had that happen. And yet they did. And I know stats-wise it was pretty even, but I think this was more Oklahoma losing than it was Kansas State just straight out beat. Now, Kansas State did beat them straight up, but Oklahoma didn't help their cause at all. There was no urgency, no, you know, I wouldn't say fear, but there was no, like, guys, we got to wake up. We're going to like, do you want to go to the playoff or not? Because we need to win these games and it's not looking too good now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it doesn't look good for them as a playoff team. So there was a lot of hype in this team because, you know, there was talent there, but, uh, you know, Venables is seeing that there's still a lot of work to be done. And, um, you know, I, I think they'll be all right with him as head coach, but 
I don't know. I, I guess, I guess probably the, the good thing about them is they may still have offense, but, um, what they'll hopefully be better at over the next couple of years is Venables being able to coach up that defense and really get them to a point where they're making a difference in these bigger games when they're playing like tougher teams, if they get in the playoff that they can actually stop teams. But uh, until they get to that point, they're, they're going to lose games like this where Adrian Martinez runs all over them. So let's move on. Uh, USC, Oregon state, this is a game that USC has lost uh, quite a bit over the years, especially in Corvallis. Yeah, speaking um, of prep tonight. Yeah, yeah, same same situation. So um, I was fully expecting this to be a very tough game for USC, and it was. But, man, they, they really, uh, really kind of like were just, I don't know, they just kind of couldn't. Couldn't put it together offensively, and they're lucky that their defense played as hard as they did because the defense got four interceptions, which is huge. If they don't get those, they probably lose this game. So, But then again, Travis Dye was like the only thing going for USC, and I love this kid, man. He's like my favorite running back in the country besides Charbonneau because um, I liked him at Oregon too. Um, but uh, I was surprised Jordan Addison didn't have a good game. He had a touchdown. Um, but, um, he had the, the winning touchdown, but, uh, he didn't, uh, he didn't have like a great game overall. Um, but man, it was crazy finish. Cause it was like USC scored with like, uh, like a minute left or something like that. And it was like, geez, just a wild, wild ending. Cause it was like, you know, the game was seven to three all the way through until like the fourth quarter. And then they scored like three touchdowns in it. So it was like. Um, just they, yeah, they won. Kind of, you know, <laughs> score. It, they won, so it's huge for them winning the game. But I don't know if it says more about where USC is at, or more maybe it says a lot where Oregon State is. That Oregon State may be a better team than other people are suspecting. Uh, USC's schedule, um. They've got uh, and they got Arizona State, which should be a win. Washington yeah, State, Washington which is State will be tough. Game. Utah, Utah obviously is a very tough game. And then they have Arizona and Cal and Colorado. Those are easy games that they should easily win. And they end so, the year with Notre Dame, of course. Yeah, UCLA and Notre Dame. So those are two tough at the end. But I expect them to win every game except for probably the Utah game. So if they go 11 and one, Utah is in the other division, I believe. And if they, if they win that, uh, or if they lose that, they still can win the division. So that'll be huge for them. And then they can uh, play Utah in the championship game, which then, no, go ahead. uh, I was going to say, speaking of USC, I just want to say too, that this was, I think you can agree. This was not a good game by USC by any standards. No. I know they didn't come in any turnovers and all, but the fact that you got to pick the ball off and force four turnovers and you couldn't capitalize on them as much as you should. Yeah. I think that says a lot about USC. <laughs> but honestly, I think the bigger joke is that USC moved up in the rankings. <laughs> I yeah. saw that. I remember I saw the AP and I was like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I was like, wait, USC moved up 
And then I was like, how? They, they, they like, I under, let me get this straight. Bama plays terrible against Texas, rightfully drops from one to two. Yeah. I'm okay with that. USC plays terrible against Oregon State and needs to pull a rabbit out of their ass to win. They get bumped up one. How does that make any sense? I mean, it's a lot of what it is. It doesn't matter because it's the AP, but I mean, still. (laughs) I mean, a lot of what it is is these people don't really follow it. I I don't think any of those writers, I don't think they do like even what we do by watching – you know, a lot of the games and I watch a lot of the recaps of like 10 minute highlights of these teams. They probably don't even do that. Probably all they do is watch like the hour um, post game show of ESPN where it shows one highlight of the team and that's all they watch. So they have no idea what even happened in these games. All they see is, oh, the team won. That's all I care about. And I'm going to put them higher. And it's just, it's kind of ridiculous, but it just is what it is. All right, let's move on. Uh, Stanford, Washington. I like talking about this team because Michael Penix Jr. is just a, 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 a an amazing quarterback, and I'm I'm every day I grow more intrigued by this kid. Three hundred nine yards passing. Uh, the running back to Tula. I can't say his name. Uh, Tulapa something. It doesn't. It doesn't give me the whole uh, name. Uh, Talu Papa, I believe. Talu Papa, yeah. yeah. At 120 Ishmael, yards. Uh, one of their receivers went off 161 yards. So, um, solid game. And they were in control of this game. They, Stanford never was a threat. And Washington is a team that, like, you know, is, is kind of like the Minnesota team, you know. So, it's like, it's one of those teams. It's like a surprise and kind of one of those teams we need to keep track of. You know, Minnesota, Syracuse, Washington now. So it's like potential for either of these teams to really make a difference uh, come the rest of the season. So uh, I do love how certain teams will um, hold on a second. I got to sneeze. <coughs> Bless you. <coughs> Bless you. Uh, thank you. Uh, how certain teams will play better teams in the in the beginning of the year and that actually makes a bigger difference because you can tell that they'll be a better team especially if they're playing right out the gate playing well and it's like oh this team is someone that's going to be able to contend with other teams i mean syracuse has already beaten louisville purdue and virginia that is three solid victories. Not that those teams are great, but those are solid teams. Um, Washington's already beaten Stanford and Michigan State. Um, you know, uh, Minnesota has beaten Michigan State, and I don't think Minnesota's played anyone else. But still, you know, it it really shows that you're a quality team if you can beat someone early and really keep it up and, like, you know, uh, show off there. So I like Penix going forward um anything for you out of this game um i'm i'm with you Penix had a great game and you know stanford's just really didn't have you know the talent to withhold that washington is definitely a, a team to keep an eye on in the pack 12 um they've averaged i think almost like 400 yards a game um it, it's just how dynamic um their offense is it's very dangerous and very 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 tough to stop because you don't know what they're going to call. So it's going to be very um, 
tough to game plan with them. But, you know, good win for Washington. Um, especially a good game for Penix. I know the road gets tougher. I know they play UCLA. Um, but they have a legitimate shot to go to the Pac-12 championship. I, I would not be surprised if they get the momentum because I think the Oregon game is going to be the one that decides it. Oh, I guess Utah is in – is Utah in USC's division? Uh, they are. Yeah, okay. So I was confused. All right, so that – I think it goes so, north and south, not east yeah, and west. Yeah, right. That's what I thought. I knew there was something up there. That, okay, yeah. So USC and the Utah game is actually depending on what, who will win that division. So Washington, you know, their real contender that they have to fight with is Oregon, which is later in the year. The rest of their games look winnable except for the UCLA, Oregon State, and Washington State games. But, you know, if they go 2-1 and one in those games, they have a chance. We'll see. I mean, it, it's still out in front of them. Let's move on. Last one real quick. Oregon, Washington State, kind of a crazy finish. Uh, Oregon wins 44-41. Uh, just kind of wild. I was like, I, I didn't realize how close that game was. Bo Nix went off, still had an interception, but – had a good game. Uh, Washington State looked good, just couldn't really finish it off. Um, you know, it's it looks good for Oregon now getting that win, but it was very close because it could have gone the other way because they were down, they were down thirty four twenty two with six minutes to go, and they ended up scoring three straight TDs to twenty nine. Um, and I remember they had twenty nine points in the fourth quarter, which is that's uh, you don't see that often. Right, yeah. And at least like the, any amount of points in a quarter. Yeah, that's that's odd. So um, Oregon still has a lot to play for, you know, considering they got their ass whooped against Georgia in the, that first game. But um, that's a non-conference, so they they have a lot to play for. So let's move on because there's not much else to talk about there. Um, let's see. So um, – CFP teams. What do you got for CFP? Um, I kind of shuffled my rankings a bit. Yeah. Um, number one, Ohio State. Yeah. Number two, Georgia. Yeah. Three, Bama. Yep. Number four, Tennessee. Number five, Clemson. Number six, Kentucky. Yeah, but okay. They Tennessee, beat and Tennessee they beat has to play. Has to play. Georgia and Alabama. They're not going to beat either of those teams. This is my top 10, at least for this week, or top top six Fair for right enough. now. But I, I would just I say I will be, counter. I, I know. I'm, I'm, it's literally a ticking time bomb. Totally, totally understand. But, like, I just – I would just would counter with the fact that their schedule does not set up well for them. But, um, it doesn't. But they, they – I mean, they've proven to me that they're worthy of being in the top four. Uh, my number one is Ohio State. Then I have Alabama because I thought they looked better than Georgia did. Um, and then USC still because I like USC's schedule for them to get there. And then I have Michigan and Clemson rounding out the top six. And then Heisman, who do you have for the Heisman right now? Uh, right now, I still have um, for tight end Brent Brock Bowers of Georgia. Um, I added Hendon Hooker, uh, quarterback, obviously game of the year for him um as i mentioned earlier uh blake Horum, i think he's the best running back in the nation right now for michigan um and i i, I can't not mention sam hartman <laughs> he's he, he's my dark horse 
Yeah, but he he missed out those first two games, so it's probably gonna like he his did, overall but, stats will uh, will dwindle because of that. I still have CJ Stroud. I don't know how you don't have CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. They're putting up I, huge. Well, I do. They're the they're the typical ones. These were the ones that. And CJ Will Stroud Anderson. Obviously. Will Anderson had Will a bunch Anderson of tackle for losses big, and sacks. Yeah, finally so, had his big game. Yeah, so I'm I'm telling you, man. Will Anderson keeps keeps chugging along. I have Hendon Hooker as well, but dude, Brock Bowers didn't have that great of a game except for uh, a run, a run that was a long run. That was really it. Everything else was kind of small in that game. Um, but I don't, I just don't think Brock Bowers will get enough to really move the needle there. I don't even think he would get invited unless he puts up like three TD games in a row, which I don't think is possible because um, now they're they're their schedule gets a lot harder. They finally start to play someone, even though Auburn is nothing. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, and I also have AR there because as much as AR struggled in those two games previously, this game is huge and he played really well in the Utah game. So it's like two games that he looked really good at. And if he continues to have really good games, he, he's still betting wise is, not that far off from a lot of the other big names up there. So I can see him conceivably um, having a chance. It just, he has to have big games. That's just all it is. And, you know, right now, and they have to keep winning too, which if they lose more games, it'll diminish his ability to even be considered. Okay. So let's move on to week five. Um we got a bunch of games here that actually look pretty good. Like I, I was kind of uh, surprised how many, um, uh, how many games that were. Um, what is it? Uh, top twenty-five matchups between teams, and just in general, it's just a lot of really good games. So you know, it could be an interesting week. Um, in we're going to start off with Washington UCLA. Speaking of Washington, you know, we we're talking about Penix and how they're going to do and this is a huge game because this is in uh LA and it's going to be well Pasadena specifically. Um, you know, this is going to be a test for both of them to see if they can really do it. I like I like Washington, but I think I like UCLA more because it's at home. And I think the crowd will finally show up because the crowd has been kind of sparse over a couple of games. But I think people will show up because they know it's a big game. And I'm going to say UCLA UCLA wins. I'm going to say UCLA wins uh, 35 to 30. What do you got, Ian? Um, I'm going to say one of the reasons, again, I think this is true. The reason the crowd doesn't show up is because UCLA has not played many tough teams. No, no, you're, you're Washington right. has. That I think is going to be the difference. Is I actually think this is going to be a wake up call and a reality check for UCLA. Yeah. I think Washington pulls away in this one and they get a big win on the road. I'm going to take the Huskies 33 to 23. Okay, next one. Kentucky, Ole Miss, both of these teams are undefeated as well. Um, I'm still not sold on Will Levis. I don't think I ever will be. I don't know what it is. I just, I'm not like, I just don't think he's that good. I think their offense is average. 
and Ole Miss can score, and I think they will score on this team. I think Ole Miss will score like I think they'll score 30 points. So I'm gonna go 32. I'm gonna say 20. What do you got? Um not trying to be a contrarian, but <laughs> with Kentucky again, it, it Ole Miss, you know, I I think there's been a bit of smoke and mirrors with them. Um now they did blow out you know, Georgia Tech, and they did blow out um, Central Arkansas. But the game was a bit closer than it needed to be against Tulsa, and the offense wasn't clicking as much in the home opener of Troy. I will excuse the Troy game because it was an opener. Um, shaking the rust off. But Kentucky's defense is super strong and very um, difficult to fight against scheme-wise, and Dart hasn't been top tier quality, I should say, you know, at, you know, at an elite level, which I think you kind of need to be against this defense. I think it's going to be like a, a fight in the mud. I think Kentucky wins this one. I'm going to go 23 to 19 for the Wildcats. I just don't think that Ole Miss is only going to score 19. I think they like, I know Kentucky's defense is good, but, and I also don't think that Will Levis is capable of, doing anything to like compete with a team like Ole Miss. I don't think he's that good. Okay. Texas tech, Kansas state Martinez coming off that huge game. Both these teams have a loss. Um, I'm going to say Texas tech wins this. Cause I like Texas tech's offense. And I think Texas tech wins, especially like this is like, you know, Kansas state coming off that huge win. They're going to have like a little bit of a letdown. I'm going to say Texas Tech wins 38 to 29. What do you got? Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Red Raiders in this one. Um, I think, uh, I guess it counts as an upset because Kansas State is ranked now. But yeah. um, I the thing is, is that Kansas State's defense – it hasn't been as sharp as well this season. It was enough to hold off Oklahoma. But Red Raiders went blow for blow in every game that they've been in. So yeah. I'm going to go with Texas Tech in this one. I'll go with a shootout. I'll go 38-34 to 34, uh, for Texas Tech. Okay, next one. Purdue-Minnesota. This is an interesting game. Purdue has a couple of losses. Minnesota's undefeated. This would be a huge game for Minnesota to win. Purdue is capable. They've got a decent offense. Um, I think that Ibrahim, their running back, will have a huge game because Penn State was able to move the ball on Purdue. And I think Minnesota wins. I'm going to say a close one. I'm going to say 28 to like 24. That's what I'm going with. My, my thoughts exactly is that the deep, the rushing defense for Purdue I don't think is enough. Um, and I, I especially speaking of defense, Minnesota is, is you know, deadly. Um, you know, we saw what they did against Michigan State, and that was, you know, a top-tier team. I think it's going to be the same story again. I honestly, I would be surprised if Purdue can get to double digits with how good Minnesota's defense has been looking. I'm going to go with a 32-7 win for uh, the Gophers. Okay, next one is Rutgers, Ohio State. Um, you know, 
I know Rutgers is doing better. And obviously Greg Shiano is, you know, been there before. So he's able to uh, resurrect this program a little bit. It's just tougher now because the Rutgers back then was in the Big East. So it was a little bit easier to um, to be uh, a little bit of a better team. Now it's they're playing in the Big Ten. They're playing against a lot tougher opponents. Um, I think that Ohio State's going to win, and I'm going to say like 45 to like 20. That's what I got. 15 to 10, Buckeyes. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going to be close. Um, I just remember Shiano. Do you remember when Shiano was the Bucks head coach? Were, were you too young, or do you remember that? I don't think I was too young. It's just, I, I, you know me, I'm not a big NFL guy. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, I remember my uncle told me, he's like, yeah, he used to coach for the Bucks, And I was like, oh, man, like in the 90s? He's like, no, like 2010. Yeah, like, it wasn't oh, even that long ago. And I was he, like, oh, damn. He, he would do this thing where it was like, it was – it was like his big thing was like toes on the line, toes on the line or something like that. And it was like this like meme about him saying that. And it just like, that's all I really remember from that. It was just, he just was this, this idiot of a coach that <laughs> had no idea what he was doing. And it was, I don't even know how long he was there. It wasn't very long. I, I barely remember him being there and it was like over quickly. All right. Uh, SMU UCF. Does UCF have the ability to stop that offense? I don't think they do, but what what do you think? I want to ask you first. I want to hear your opinion. So, honestly, I think they do. They were able to hold Louisville to 20 points, with, and I get they lost. But that defense showed up against a very difficult attack. Now I get that. SMU has more weapons and it's a different type of, it's more of a passing attack than a mobile attack. But I think UCF gets the win here. And I think the defense is able to withhold SMU's uh, offense enough to get a win late. I'm going to go with UCF. I'll go with a 32-25 win for the Knights. Yeah, I don't think they do. I think that SMU is going to have a really good game. And I'm going to say they win 32 to 28. It's going to be close, but I really think that SMU is going to do what they need to, to be able to, uh, to, to win this one. All right. Texas A&M, Mississippi state, interesting game. Um, Can Mike Leach get some offense going against a really good defense? Uh, I, I'm thinking I'm going to go with Texas A&M on this one. I'm going to say Texas A&M wins like 24 to 20. It's going to be close, but I don't think Mississippi State's going to be able to have the quite effect that they normally have on on a lot of teams. But what's your pick, Ian? Um, yeah, this is uh, this is going to be my upset of the week. Uh, I think Mississippi State wins it because A&M's offense is not prepare to be in the shootouts but Mississippi State is. Will Rogers already has 16 touchdowns on the year, which is kind of insane because it's only been, what, four games? Four games, yeah. Yeah, so I, now Texas A&M's defense is definitely the best, best one so far that Mississippi State has played. Um, I guess LSU's was good, but I think A&M's is better. Mm-hmm. I think they learned from their mistake against LSU. And they keep the, you know, they just stick to what they know. 
And I think Mississippi State wins in a shootout based on experience. I'm going to go with a 34 to 27 win for the Bulldogs. I mean, if it is a shootout, I don't like Texas A&M in it. But if it's a close game, like a 24-20, where it's like it's like methodical, like the game last week against Arkansas, I think A&M's got the better shot. Okay, what used to be one of my favorite games every year. It's kind of lost its luster the last couple of years. But LSU-Auburn, um, who do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, this is like a mid-off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to make a prediction here. LSU wins 25 to 17 and Harrison gets fired on the field. Yeah. Um, you said 25, 17. Yeah. I don't think both teams look, uh, as good, but I think the offense is just so stuck in the mud for Auburn while LSU at least has shown they can step up when they need to. I think it'll, I I'm going to take, I'll take the Tigers, the Louisiana variety. Yeah. I'm going 24-10, so I'm not that far off from you. I just don't think Auburn can score. They've had a hard time all year scoring, and LSU just does enough to beat them. Okay, East Carolina, USF. I'm going to say East Carolina in this one. I'm going to go East Carolina. I'm going to go 32-14. to What do you got? Um... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ECU. God, I really want USF to win. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna go with ECU in this one. I'm gonna go with a. Um, let's go with a 27 to 17 win. Okay, Georgia, Missouri. What do you, What do you think is gonna happen in this one? Georgia, Georgia doesn't allow a touchdown. They beat them 34 to three. Yeah, I, I I just think Drinkwitz is just uh he's not a good coach. I don't have much respect for him. And I think George is gonna steamroll him. I'm gonna say forty two to I say they will get a touchdown, forty two to seven. Okay, Alabama, Arkansas, probably the best game of the day besides this next one. Um who do you got in this one? Alabama, Arkansas. This is my upset. No. Yeah. <laughs> Bama, Bama. <laughs> There's only so much KJ Jefferson can do. And yeah. Bama's defense knows how to handle these types of quarterbacks. Right. They're, they'll win. I I don't think Arkansas will lay down and die, but I just Alabama's got too much on the other side. I'm gonna go with the forty. Uh, they run. They run away late. I'll go forty to seventeen. I have it 32-21. I think Arkansas will contend, but I think that Alabama just has their way for the most part. And uh, Bryce Young's probably going to have a huge game. And KJ Jefferson, like he's like he's good against like bad to average teams, but he's never been like great against like Georgia or Alabama the last couple of years. So I don't expect it to continue or I expect that to continue into this game as well. So uh, let's move on. NC state Clemson, both undefeated, both for the, um, that division crown. Um, I like Clemson in this one. I know NC state's defense is very good, but I like Clemson to be able to finally score. And I'm going to say 35, to 24. What do you got, Ian? 
I, you know, I would say whoever wins this game wins the division, but Wake is right up there sneaking yeah. out. I mean, they're not out of it. They are really not out of it. But that's going to get tougher with them because I think Clemson, they've got this one circled because this is when NC State beat them last year. I think Clemson wins, and I don't think it's a high-scoring affair, but I'm going to go with a 27 to 21 win for Clemson. It's going to be close, but I think Clemson has more on their side weaponry-wise to get the win. Okay, Oklahoma, TCU. Does TCU stay undefeated, or does Oklahoma get them here? Um. I mean, I, it is at Fort Worth, but uh, I, you know, TCU's wins, you know, they, you know, they beat Colorado, but again, Colorado's the worst team, and they did get the win against SMU. Yeah, but I think Oklahoma rebounds here, and they they win. I don't think it's going to be, you know, a walk in the park, but I'm going to take the Sooners in this one. I'll go thirty-five to twenty-four. Yeah, I'm not far off. I got 31-24. I think Oklahoma will rebound. I think they needed a loss because it probably will reset everything for them and be like, okay, we need to really like focus and you know kind of get this thing organized more. Um, they still have everything out in front of them, but it's going to be tougher with that loss. So we'll see. But uh, let's move on. Oklahoma State Baylor. Huge game. These this game has been huge the last couple of years. Um I am excited for this one. I think I think Baylor's gonna win, but I think it's gonna be really close. I'm gonna say it's gonna be like it's gonna be like 28-27 or something like that. It, Cause it just seems like one of those games where it's like back and forth, and then like, you know, uh Oklahoma State's up 27-21, and then Baylor scores at like 30 seconds left or something like that to go up by one. And then Oklahoma State's got the ball, and then they like missed the field goal or some shit like that. That, that, That's how it it feels like. I mean, because last year in the championship game, they had the ball at the like one, and the guy who's going on the edge and trying to get into the – oh, man, that was such a great play. What a great ending. And it was fourth down, and I was like, that was literally it. That was the last play. That was crazy. But uh, what, what do you think will happen in this game, Ian? Um, you know, this is a coin flip. Honestly, yeah, I guess it really like, is. Baylor is technically the underdog, but I, I think Baylor is going to win it because they played well against Iowa State, which is the best defense against the Big Twelve in in the Big Twelve. And Oklahoma State's defense obviously is not as Strong, and they haven't, you know, against tougher teams. I know, like Central Michigan put up, I think, like forty on them. Yeah. So I think Baylor can do that. I, I'm going to take Baylor in this one. Um, I'll go with a thirty-seven to twenty-seven one for the Bears. Thirty-seven to twenty-seven. Thirty-seven twenty-seven. Baylor. Baylor. Okay. And that's a lot of points. But, big 12 game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Oregon State, Utah. What do you got in this one? Um, I'm going to take the Utes in this one. I, I again, I, they're the most complete team in the big, uh, the Pac-12. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think they definitely have the defense to, you know, shut them down. 
So I'm going to take Utah on this one. I'm going to go with a 32-14 win for the Utes. I think it's going to be closer, and I think uh, Oregon State's going to score 20, but Utah scores 27. I like Utah a lot. Um, it's just it, I think it's going to be a tough game, and um, you know they what they lost their their tight end uh, the other day. He's out for the year, which that's tough because he's really good. He really like took it to Florida in that first game. Um, but, um, but like I said, I think I like Oregon state as well. I really think this is a sneaky, good team played USC. Well, you know, has had some solid wins so far this year, but I want to move on to this one. Cause I've been wanting to talk about this one for a couple of days because I really am tired of seeing all the hype on this team. Wake Forest, FSU. FSU is getting so much undeserved hype. It is remarkable. It is like absurd how much hype they're getting for how terrible the teams that they have played. Um, the the combined record of those four teams are seven and nine. Uh, you know, uh, Duquesne is a terrible team. Um, you know, BC is a terrible team. And I would say LSU and Louisville are average teams. So they've played average to below average. And yet everyone is talking about this team for whatever reason, like they're the next coming of something. And it just, they have such a tough stretch coming up. They have Wake, they have Clemson, they have NC State, they have Syracuse. I don't know about the Miami game as of right now. It looks kind of like they'll probably take that one, but maybe Miami re- rebounds. And then they also have Florida and Louisiana. So potentially they have at least four or five losses there, which I believe they'll hit five losses. So, and I believe they'll lose this game. Wake is really good offensively, probably one of the better offensive teams in the ACC. Sam Hartman is a stud. I mean, you've got him as one of your uh, Heisman dark horses. So I like Wake to put up a good amount of points. I'm going to say Wake puts up 42 points, and I'm going to say – but Wake's defense isn't as strong. So I think Florida State will be able to score – but I don't think they'll be able to score enough. I say those it'll be 42-35. What do you got, Ian? Um, I'm going to go with Wake Forest in this one. I, again, some my score is almost identical. I'm going to go 38-33 to 33 for Wake because I do agree that this is like the probably the toughest – well, until their next game. But no, screw it. This is the toughest offense they are going to probably face in the year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But you're going to hate me saying this, just like I said against LSU. I'm not going to be surprised if somehow Florida State wins this because Wake's defense is not good. And yeah. that rushing attack for Florida State is solid. It, it is uh, that rushing attack is what has carried the Seminoles to those wins. They didn't do a good job stopping the rush against Clemson, they didn't do a good job against it, against Liberty and Vandy. That's why I think it'd be close. I think Wake wins, but again, if they can't stop the run, I'm not going to be shocked if, you know, somehow Florida State wins it. Yeah. 
I, I just think, you know, their defense sucks, but their offense is so good. And I know that Florida State has, hasn't has seen anything like this, and they'll, they won't be able to stop them. I know that. I mean, Wake could score more than 42. And, you know, if they're scoring more than 42, Florida State is definitely losing. So um, last one, and let's end this real quick. West Virginia, Texas, who do you got in this one? Um, I'm going to take Texas. I think they get the rebound. West Virginia's season just kind of spiraling. I'll go with the 31 to 20 win. I like West Virginia in this one. I'm going to say West Virginia wins 31 to 24. And what was your score again? What did you say? Uh, 31 20. 31 20. Okay. All right. That is the show, everybody. So, uh, our socials again are at hater underscore radio for Twitter and Instagram, which I'm not really on anymore. Um, you can reach us at hater radio one at gmail.com for email haterradio.com for all of our articles. Hopefully we'll have another one up coming up soon. And Ian, what are your socials real quick before we go? Uh, I'm going to go uh, G I'm sorry. G Gator, G double underscore Gator, double underscore G on Instagram and G Gator G on uh, YouTube. All right. That's it, everybody. We'll see you next week and uh, enjoy these games. All right. Later. Rank Kansas. (laughs) 